Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll notice the Apostle Paul writes to the the charismatic church at Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a very wealthy area, to say the least. It was a great commerce, a great trade area. Uh, Therefore, it brought a lot of different cults, a lot of different doctrines, a lot of different uh, ideologies uh, were there constantly. Uh, It was predominantly uh, Gentile. Though there were, there were uh, obviously Jewish people there also. The Apostle Paul helped raise up this church and probably founded and started it himself. And he, he loved it because this church was so zealous for the working of the Holy Ghost and the power of God. And so they kind of got out of balance in some of the things that they were doing in the ministry. So Paul writes this particular letter, this particular book, uh, which we call 1 Corinthians, And in uh, basically every chapter, I've always said it could be called the book of first corrections because he's adjusting or correcting something they are doing in almost every chapter in this particular book. He's not telling them necessarily to not do some things, but he's telling them to get it in order. Everybody doing okay? So he, uh, he begins to talk to them about that. And then he begins to explain and describe the gifts and the workings of the Holy Ghost. Uh, in chapter 12, but he's got a particular verse right here that is a stunning verse. You'll notice in verse 28, I'll begin in verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, or one translation says, uh, members that are in their own order, their own place. You and I, just like the, the scripture says earlier in chapter 12, that we are a body made up of many joints, and members in a single body, just like you have many members in your own body. He said, so is the body of Christ. So is the local church that he's writing to at Corinth. And he says there, uh, an eye does not resent the fact that it's not an ear. And he goes on and begins to talk like that about the body, that every uh, part of the body has its place and its purpose. I don't care who you are, every person has a calling and a purpose in the body of Christ and in the local church where God has planted them. Hallelujah. And so as he continues to go along, he's, he's dealing with some areas and some attitudes there uh, in, in 1 Corinthians. And I just say in Jesus' name, we don't have those attitudes in abundant life, so we'll go right into here. Verse 28, and see, he said, so it's God who has set in the church, in the local church there, uh, the church is almost a hundred times in the New Testament, and in in about ninety percent of those times, it's the church in its local setting, not in just its international purpose of being the body of Christ. And so, God emphatically writes to the local church, and here you see it. He says, "And God hath set in the church." I like to say He set at Abundant Life Christian Center first apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly, teachers. Now that's the fivefold minister gifts. Come on, shout hallelujah. And so he's speaking about their operation. Uh, certainly he goes uh, earlier, he's talked about pastors, he's talked about teachers, he talked about evangelists, prophets and apostles, the fivefold ministry gift. And then Paul just writes a whole section about them. And Timothy does the same thing. 
uh, to, uh, in Philippi also, Paul writes about it, how there are gifts and callings and how necessary they are. And in Ephesians, he said, when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor and teacher for the edifying of the saints, for the preparing and equipping of the saints, the scripture says. And so, and for the coming into unity, a unity in the faith. That's very interesting. Uh, because it's, it's not always easy to have unity in the doctrine. But, you know, we ought to have unity in the faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. And the areas where we have unity with other Christians I'm talking about, we're not looking for areas that we disagree. We're just going to look for areas that we do agree. And the Bible says Jesus is going to come back one day and there will be a unity in the faith. Uh, there's some things about that that I believe are very powerful, but it's for another time that I can actually speak on that I believe the Holy Ghost has shown me uh, that there are ways that men and women get in unity in the faith. And you'll see it in the scripture. And most of the time it was because of the pressure that came from the world. Uh, they begin to seek God and press in. It kind of reminds me of 911. You know, when, when those towers fell, uh, 911, no one cared what your doctrine was. They didn't care what church you belonged to. They didn't care what your race was. They didn't care about any of that. They just wanted to help. And, and people began to uh, get unified. There was a unity. Everybody shout unity. And they begin to unify. And I believe in Jesus' name we'll see that uh, take place before the Lord comes for the church. But the scripture says right here, God set in the ministry, in the church, uh, apostles, prophets, teachers after that, uh, thirdly, teachers after that, miracles. That's the gift of working of miracles. Gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And then he goes on and begins to pick up that same subject. But you notice what he has right here. You have the fivefold ministry gift, apostle, prophet, teachers, evangelists, all those things that are included in those giftings. Then he begins to talk about gifts of the Spirit, gifts of the Holy Ghost, working of miracles. Those are power gifts, we call them. Uh, the gift of working of miracles, the gifts uh, of healing in the body. And then he puts a little five-letter word there called helps. And helps just literally means anything that you do uh, in the name of Jesus that gives aid and assistance some way. What you do in the name of the Lord that helps. It's amazing uh, the impact in the Bible of the miracles that take place in helps. Listen, uh, if uh, more than one time I've had people over the years come to me and say, you know, we need to do something in the nursery. We need to do this in the nursery. Pastor, you need to do this in the nursery. And pastor, you ought to do this in the nursery. Maybe we should do this in the nursery. Look me right in the face. God hadn't told me to go do something in that nursery. We have a great nursery, number one, great nursery workers. But what God is doing is talking to that individual and saying, no, you're supposed to be involved and humble yourself and, and uh, do your part to help and to minister some way. That's a, that's a powerful thing. Because when you do that, not only are you blessing those little children that are going to grow up one day, and they're going to grow up with that uh, spirit-filled bend in their life, and they will uh, pursue God, but you're also setting someone free for a few minutes for them to receive that mother or that father right here, uh, to be able to receive the, uh, the power and the word and the spirit of God, 
And you don't have to do it every time. And I'm using that only as an example. But that's the ministry of helps. And the miraculous can take place because if mama had to sit out here with the crying baby all the time, uh, several things would take place and none of them are good. Hallelujah. Somebody said one time, I remember back in the old days that they didn't have a nursery. The kids had to sit there in church and yin, yin, yin. Yeah, and those kids don't go to church today either. Yeah, you couldn't beat them to get them to go to the church half the time because mom and daddy had to beat them in church. I'm preaching real good now to try to get them to be quiet. When we could have had uh, uh, just something going on for them that's a blessing to them and kind of looses up mom and dad uh, to be able to receive for a few minutes. And it's amazing how miracles and anointings begin to happen like that. Plus the children are blessed. Plus you're blessed. Come on, shout hallelujah. Listen, whatever you do, when we have helps ministers in the church and they're working in the nursery uh, or in the children's ministry or on teens or in one of the ministries that are going on, please don't ever go to them and say, oh, I tell you, it was so good in church. You should have been in the service tonight because they were in service tonight. They were serving. I told uh, one particular individual years ago, y'all want me to tell you this? Are you sure? Because uh, they were saying something about the nursery up there. And, uh, and they'd go back there every time and, and pick their little child up. And they'd say, you should have been out in church tonight. I'm telling you, it was written. No, they shouldn't have been in church. Not out here. They were in church. My experience is when God wants to touch your life, he doesn't look for you where you are necessarily. He looks for you where you're supposed to be. And if they're in their place at that time doing their part, it's amazing how God can even take that and cause an anointing to happen. So I told him, I said, the next time someone says, well, you should have been in there in church tonight, what you should do is reach over and get a dirty diaper and say, well, you should have been here where I was. Thank you for your hearty support. That's ridiculous. We thank God for ministry. Those are gifts. Those are anointings in people's lives uh, that, that they serve and they're serving as unto the Lord. Uh, the other day, I read off uh, over 50 ministries that take place every time there's a church service at Abundant Life. 50 different ministries that need men and women helping and serving. How many of you were in the service the other day when I read those 50 things out? Those are powerful things that go on in a church service. And they're very necessary. And I bless the Lord for it. And you don't have to be out of every service. But what can we do? Everyone can do something or else we just do nothing. And it's amazing how God will promote through service. When the servants were carrying around uh, the, the pots that had the water in it, it wasn't Peter and James and John doing that. It was no-name servants and the, uh, in the ministry of helps. And as they're helping carry that around, there came a point where Jesus' ministry was activated in miracle signs and wonders. It was his first miracle, and it was the servants, the helps ministers, that actually were the catalyst for that taking place. Uh, in many places in the Scripture, you see the miracle power of God activated simply by the, the ministry of service. I said recently that uh, David, as a little shepherd boy, from that position of a shepherd... He killed that giant, not from the position of a king, 
but the position of a helper, a servant. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you do that renders aid or assistance in any way. God gets in that. And the scripture says uh, that as we serve and as we help, the anointing is increased. And notice kind of where you see it. I'll use the term sandwiched in in the Apostle Paul's teaching. He said right between the power gifts of the Holy Ghost and the operational gifts uh, called governments and administration and all of the organization that's necessary continually in the body of Christ or else it just kind of falls apart. And uh, there, uh, there have been many, many churches that get started and it's not that their heart wasn't right. Maybe they weren't called to do a church. Maybe they were, who knows. But if they don't have that governments and they don't have that administration that Scripture talks about right there, and if they don't have all of those uh, gifts that are working inside that body, well, any church would just collapse. Uh, it's just a matter of time before they did. And so uh, we always pray and ask God uh, to send men and women who and raise them up in the house as much as possible to get involved in areas like that. If we don't have it in the house, then we ask somebody to come in from the outside who loves God, has a like precious faith, and be involved with us. Come on, somebody shout amen. That's very necessary. I said that's very necessary. Uh, we're believing God right now. Uh, we're actually doing interviews right now. Uh, I, I think I can say this. Y'all want to hear it? And so, thank God we heard it. I'm streaming online. Some things I don't want to put out online. And so, because we get a lot of calls from a lot of people when we do that. Uh, but there are some uh, things here in, in the house that uh, uh, we actually have uh, several openings on our staff right now, uh, as, especially as we're beginning to develop going into 2020. And uh, you pray about it. And if you ever want to know about that and you're a member of this church, then uh, come talk to me about it. Or actually, don't come talk to me. Go, go talk to Pastor Cat because that's what she does. Exodus chapter 17. Everybody shout helps. Helps is very powerful. And I have just a, just a minute longer uh, right here that I'll share this. In Exodus chapter 17, I'll share this for a moment, then we'll pick it up again. It's the story, of course, of uh, the children of Israel as they begin to go and they've been set free and God has given them miracle after miracle. And uh, all of a sudden, they run out of water. And so as they're, uh, this mass of people are leaving, going toward the promised land, they come into an area that is ruled by these Amalekites, uh, Amalek and his crowd. And uh, uh, it's a place called Rephidim. And so as they come into that area, they are needing water to drink. And they're saying, look, we're not here to cause trouble. We just need to get some water and we're going to be gone and be out of your way. But the Amalekites got all into their self and said, no, you'll not uh, come across this land. If you come in this area, we're going to kill you. And so Moses said, all right, your funeral, whatever. And so he gave them a chance and uh, they weren't going to listen. But, you know, you got somebody that's starving uh, and it's uh, starving because of water. Uh, they're going to they're going to get a drink whether you want them to or not. Give me two big amens on that. And so that's what took place uh, with them. So the scripture says, look if you would at verse 8. So then came Amalek. I mean Exodus 17 verse 8. Watch this. Let me read a couple of verses and I have to do it quick. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua. Everybody shout Joshua. Joshua. 
Now, that's the first time Joshua is mentioned in the Bible. And then he's mentioned 250 times. You'll see Joshua 250 times in the Scriptures. At this point, you can run the uh, chronological orders that are in the Scripture. You can run them back and you'll see. At this point, Joshua, who becomes, of course, Moses' servant and ultimately becomes the leader after Moses uh, goes to heaven. Uh, Joshua is not a teenage boy like many people imply, like the Joshua generation sort of thing and all of that. Uh, Joshua at this point is 53 years old. Moses is 27 years older than him. He's 80. And Moses serves for 40 more years, and then Joshua takes over. So you take 53 plus 40, and guess how old Joshua was when he started to rule over over Israel? He's 93, 94 years old when he comes into that place. So you're never too old to be used by God, and you're also never too young. God can use you if you have a servant's heart. Y'all doing okay? And so the scripture says, Moses said unto Joshua, Moses said to Joshua, Moses said to Joshua, get this in your spirit, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to go stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Here's the miracle, verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him. Can you... Can you see how that is a stunning statement right there? They're coming against these fierce people called Amalekites, and uh, who Amalek is the head of them. And this guy is a bad motor scooter, I'm just telling you. And so uh, the, the Israelites knew about him. He knew about the Israelites by this point. And so this confrontation is just going to take place. And so 80-year-old Moses says to 53-year-old uh, Joshua, now remember, he didn't say, hey, Joshua, would you be interested in going and doing this? No, no, no. He looked at him and said, Joshua, go choose us out men. And I'm going to go stand up there on that hill with that rod of God in my hand, the one that I stretched out over the Red Sea. I'm going to go stand up there uh, with that rod in my hand. Uh, and Joshua didn't say, let's negotiate about this. How much are you going to pay me? What, what do you mean? Why don't you, old man, why don't you get out here and fight? You want to get out here and fight? You're going to be up there where you can escape. What if the battle goes bad? Uh, Joshua didn't get all up into himself, nor did he let fear take over. Uh, The scripture says, Joshua just did as Moses had commanded him. One of the greatest days in your life is when you have a servant's heart. When you train your children, you raise your family up. If husbands and wives want to uh, live in joy and and live joyfully, uh, they have to learn to serve one another. That's the ministry that helps in your own house in your own family. I know you've been taking the garbage out for the last seven uh, times, and now it's her time to do it, but you can forget it, Uh, sir. That's your job. You don't want her hauling garbage and cooking at the same time. Give me a better amen than that. Nor nor should you ever say, look, it's your time. I I carried that out the last time. I've been doing that all, I mean, doing it all the time. No, no, no. And I don't understand the miracle of this garbage thing. I'm going to be honest, I don't. I came in there the other day, and my darling little wife, by herself, had rearranged furniture. I'm talking about couches that are heavy couches. I'm like, what? 
How did you do that? And later on, she said, uh, honey, would you come in here and get this garbage? Uh, it's already filled and it's too heavy for me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I'll go get it. I'm just, I'm stunned that you're able to move that couch. Next time, put it on video because I want to watch how you did that. Hallelujah. But anyway, if we'll serve one another as, as friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ, much less in our own families, where we just have a willing heart. You let two people have a servant's heart, it's, it's wonderful. It's amazing how God will bless our homes because the miracle power of God got involved because uh, Joshua said, sure, I'll go out there and fight. We have no recorded instance that Joshua was ever a military man. He was a servant. Uh, according to uh, the word, he was a bond servant of some kind in Egypt. And yet when the man of God uh, said to him, would you help in this way? He said, sure, what you want me to do? He said, I want you to go uh, choose them. Uh, give me some men go down there in that valley and I'm going to go stand up there with the rod of God. Now the rod of God is a type of the word of God. It's a type of, of the, the Word and the Spirit of God coming into our lives. Uh, and so the Scripture says, Joshua just did it. And uh, watch it real quickly here and then we'll close. He said, go out and do that because tomorrow something's going to take place that's amazing. Uh, Joshua did as Moses said. Come on, let's let this get in our spirit for just a moment. And I say I'm not going to get anywhere like I want to tonight. Uh, Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. He goes out and fights with him. And Moses, his brother Aaron, and, and his other kinfolk, her, went up to the top of the hill. Time out. It is stunning how families have anointings and callings in them. Your family has a calling and an anointing in it. In the Bible, it almost... Uh, according to just cultural mindset, uh, especially in some churches, it seems like they're upset if families have anointings. I thank God that my grandparents were born again believers. I thank God my mom and daddy were Holy Ghost tongue talking preachers and ministers of the gospel. I thank God that that got over in me. And that same anointing, I believe, kept increasing and increasing. And then as we trained and raised our daughters up to just love Jesus, it was just automatic. Some of you watched them growing up, and I'm not bragging about me, but if I knew your story, I'd tell yours. Uh, and, and they just automatically just transitioned over into service. The whole time they're doing everything that, uh, that, that uh, young women do, of course, growing up, going to college, knocking out degrees. They all have upper degrees and all that stuff, but refusing to miss the house of God. They wanted to be in the house of God. Serving God and going forward. And then when they finally uh, chose some old hairy leg boy to marry him and all that stuff, uh, they chose someone who had a servant's heart. And they begin to develop their own families and their own life that way. Your family has an anointing in it. And I believe that we can not only just model or mirror that, uh, to the best, and nothing's perfect. No one's perfect. God knows I'm not. Uh, and all of, if you don't believe that, ask Cindy. Uh, but it's very important that we are people that give the best example we can. 
And then we believe God that it's going to transition and develop inside of our uh, families. Uh, They may have unique callings on their life that are not exactly like yours, but they can have a servant's heart. Uh, Every man or woman that that I know of that I've asked to come and minister in the 35 years that we have been here and some of the great voices uh, in the body of Christ, everything from Kenneth Hagin to Oral Roberts to uh, R.W. Schambach to... Uh, you just start naming them, and especially the people that are in ministry today that we uh, call and we ask them to come and impart that apostle, that prophet, that teaching uh, gift, that ministry gift of some kind in the house. Uh, It's amazing. I've never met one of them that was all into himself, stuck up and all of that, not a single one of them. But they had a servant's heart. And every one of them begun serving and have never gotten to the place, never get to the place where you're so successful that you can't pick up, pick up a piece of, uh, of uh, uh, just paper off the floor. Or that you can't help. Or that you can't serve with the right heart. Don't ever get to that place. Every time you walk across the parking lot, be wise about it. But if you happen to see paper or something on the parking lot, well, just go on over and pick it up. You say, well, I'm already gone. There's not a garbage can out there. Well, then put it in your pocket and throw it away later. Uh, it's your church. If you were at your house and you saw paper and, and, and trash that might have blown around because, you know, we get a lot of winds all over this place. If you saw that around somewhere, can you agree that you would go out into your yard and you'd pick that up and you'd get rid of it? Man, I'm preaching so good on a Sunday night. Isn't this good stuff? Well, the ministry of helps ought to be motivating you that way. It ought to be moved. This is your church. This is where you commit to God and then you demonstrate it when you walk out of here. Is it real in you? Well, then pursue it because you have a gifting of helps in your life. And it's in that gift that the miracle happens. And I'll close with this particular thing right here. Uh, Sergio, come help me if you would, please, and we'll close. The scripture says, Uh, uh, Once again, verse 11, verse 10, so Joshua goes out and fights. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur go up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass that Joshua did not get all mad and upset about it. He just did what he was supposed to do. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, holding the rod of God, that Israel was successful. They prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek began to overpower them and prevail. And Moses' hands would get tired. They were heavy because he's he's 80 years old already. And he's in the sun and he's out there holding that rod up. And Moses' hands were heavy. So Aaron and her, they took a stone. And it doesn't say, and they hit him on the head with it. It says they put it under him and they had him sit there. And the scripture says, they suddenly realized, uh, some of them, maybe it was Aaron that realized that the anointing was coming from God through that rod, which was the word of God, that it was coming and it was transferring into Israel that way. And Joshua was winning the battle in an unprecedented manner as long as that was exalted, that was high and lifted up. And they suddenly realized it. And they said, here's what we do. And they got some kind of a stone, a big, a big stone. And they got it over there and they put that underneath 
of Moses and said, Moses, sit on that rock right there. Because the victory, the victory takes place as long as we keep God elevated and exalted. And since you can't do it by yourself, we're going to help you do that. We're going to help you do it. And the scripture says, they put a stone under him and he sat thereon. And then Aaron and her held up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek. The word discomfited in good old East Texas language, he whooped him. Bad. The scripture says he discomfited, he destroyed that whole thing. Uh, uh, The scripture says Joshua did that. Now Joshua goes from being a servant, ex-slave servant, to a mighty military leader. And God is preparing him to become the leader of Israel one day. And at the same time, Aaron and her are learning about serving. And Moses is just saying, God, we need you. I've got to keep you lifted up high. But it's going to take other people helping me to do that. In the house of God, it takes every one of us doing something to help take the gospel of Jesus to the world. It's not just the preachers that fill this pulpit. It's the people who work in in the coffee shop with that joy and that that blessing of the Lord in their life. It's the one who answers the phone. It's uh, it's the one who works and serves in one of the TV ministries. It's the camera people. It's the usher that helps. It's that greeter that helps minister that love and joy. And there's that welcome spirit of God that's in you. You have a gift and you're helping. And it activates the miraculous. And when Aaron and her just held up his hands, the tide turned in the battle. And the scripture says Joshua beat this great warrior in his army with a bunch of guys who had never been in combat that we have recorded anywhere. They were all ex-slaves, servants uh, that were in captivity in Egypt. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. But through the ministry of helps, they released the ministry of miracles, uh, the ministry of healings, the ministry of deliverance. David one time just went and played his harp uh, as a teenage boy in in King Saul's uh, bedroom because demon forces were harassing Saul. And they heard if that young man just comes in there and just starts playing on his harp and worshiping God, demons flee. So they said, would you come and do that? And he said, sure. Got a great gig at the palace tonight. Come on. And down there he goes. And he begins to worship. And demons had to flee. Ministry of helps. Helping move the plan of God on a little bit further. And sometimes it's just with menial tasks. Little things that seem so unimportant. But the miraculous gets in it. Carry the water pots around. Jesus' first miracle. Right here the scripture says. uh, And we see Joshua didn't get all offended about Aaron and her. Nor did he decide, you know what, bless God, I got out there and I whooped old Amalek. I think I'll start my own tribe. I think I'll bring, he just had the ministry of helps. I believe that means I'm qualified to go do that myself. Besides old Mo, he just sitting up there, uh, he, he don't know what he's doing. I'm the one that took all the risk. Oh God. Oh God. The true ministry of helps, it destroys pride. False pride. 
division. Yeah, I guess maybe Joshua could have done what sometimes people do. Got all upset with Moses. He could have said, I tell you what, Moses, you want to go out there and fight there? You just go do it yourself. I'm not going to get out there and risk my life. But he served. And he had that right heart. And the ministry of helps opened the door, not only for the miraculous deliverance that took place, but also for his own ministry getting activated. That's the first time Joshua is mentioned in the Bible. One of the greatest men in the Bible, Joshua. He started out as a servant, as a helps minister, being told what to do by an 80-year-old leader who was in that office doing what God had called him to do. We don't have it anywhere in the Scripture where he gets offended. One day he comes to Joshua. Or he, he comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I need you to pray for me. He said, you're saying one day I'm going to be the leader of this place? What about your own sons? Moses, what about your sons? Joshua wasn't a blood kin to him. And Moses knew that his sons were not serving God right. And the Bible says he laid hands on Joshua. And the spirit of wisdom came upon him. The scripture says, so Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands upon him. Oh God, help us, Lord, to get a spirit of wisdom as we serve, as we work unto the Lord. Let miracles, signs, and wonders happen according to your will and your plan. Until that time, God, we'll just help. We'll just do what needs to be done. Timothy, one of the great helps ministers, I'll pick that up in another service. Listen to what it says. Uh, the scripture says, So Moses' hands were steady until the sun went down. Joshua discomfited, he defeated Amalek. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses at the end of the day, kind of like the end of this message tonight, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Write down what took place today. Write down that, that uh, I gave you direction and you gave that direction uh, to Joshua. And Joshua went out and did it, chose out men, went out and fought. That you went up there. Write down the whole process. Write down that Aaron and her were in there doing their part. Somebody was down there swinging the sword. Someone was, was organizing the men. Moses was doing his a part, a, a pleading before God. Aaron and her were doing their part to help support that. Everyone in their place doing their part, helping. Every person in a ministry of helps. He said, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua. He served Moses from that point on for 40 years, the Bible says. Now listen, and the word rehearse means to say it to him over and over and over. Moses said, that night I can see Joshua coming in there, cleaning up the swords, asking uh, old brother Moses, uh, do you need something to eat? You need something to drink? What can I do to help you right here? I'm sure he said, thank you, you know, for the, uh, for the bread, the manna, the whatever it is that they had. He said, uh, pull up right over here, Joshua, and sit down. He said, let me tell you what took place today when we went out there. Uh, God got the victory. But it's because every person was serving, connecting together, just like having ligaments and, 
and all of those things in your body, the ministry of helps. And then the body made use of itself unto edifying, the Scripture says. Every person was in their place doing their part. And they had an amazing victory that took place. Rehearse it in his ears, he said. Rehearse it in his ears. The next night, maybe the next week, maybe the next time they had a a conflict of some kind with a, a warring tribe, Joshua, sit down. Let me remind you what, what, how this is going to work. Every person in their place doing their part, we can't be defeated that way. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. It's that way in our own lives. It's that way in our church. It's that way in everything that we do. We have to be people who are quick and ready to serve. We release the miraculous, the miracle power of God. This morning I talked about Ruth. Later I'll talk about Esther. In those particular ministries of helps, it's amazing how the miracle power of God is released uh, when men and women are serving. The Bible says of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 that God gave Jesus the name above every name that's named. It says that He made no name for Himself, but he He humbled Himself and took upon Himself the form of a servant and became subject to the plan, doing what God uh, would have him do as a, with a servant's spirit about him. Oh God, help us. Uh, many times we want to operate in the, in the five-fold gifts, or we, we, want, we see ourselves you know, somehow operating in one of the nine gifts of the Spirit, maybe like uh, Gustavo Paez, who I love, Gustavo, with that great gift of word of knowledge and word of wisdom that he begins to minister like that, and we see ourselves doing that. But you ought to hear the other part. Hear how he served and worked and began to activate an anointing in his life. Hear about when they shot him almost point blank in the chest and he did everything but die. And God raised him back up from the point of a servant uh, down in Columbia. Listen, God is a good God. And if we have a servant's heart, I believe it will transfer over into our families, into our kids, into our grandkids into our home, the spirit of that will be in our house. And we'll be people that whatever we put our hand to, in Jesus' name, God will get involved with us. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right there. (laughs) Glory to God. Stand on your feet this evening. Thank you for being here in the house of God. Are you learning something in this? We're not, listen, we should not uh, aspire to be great preachers and all of those great things. And all of those powerful manifestations that bring a certain amount of notoriety. If God uses you in that, I just say, Lord, please let that happen. But until that time, and continually in our lives, we need to be serving and helping as unto the Lord. Helping one another. Being a blessing. If you see one of our senior saints and they're walking out to their car, and uh, and maybe they're just not walking real fast, And you get this little quickening on the inside of you that says, I want to help that person. I don't want them to stumble and fall. It's amazing how just that little act of love and kindness, uh, that ministry of helps is a tremendous blessing. Uh, In our next time that we're together, I'll I'll give those 50 things. I think they're they're making a list of them now for our videos where they'll just be lists showing at least 50 ministries that are taking place in an ongoing basis, when we gather together and because we gather together. Let's believe God 
that we can activate the anointing with the servant's heart. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, It would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.